Hi, and welcome to episode 249 of the Untethered Podcast. Today, we have Marissa Douglas joining us. Marissa received her master's in speech-language pathology from Missouri State University in Springfield, Missouri. She moved to Florida while finishing her degree and has been here ever since. In school, she did not learn anything about feeding in the pediatric population, but she's always enjoyed working in pediatrics. So when she graduated, she really wanted to learn feeding in the pediatric setting. Now she owns her own private practice and specializes in working with pediatric feeding disorders. She works with a variety of conditions such as tongue ties, oral facial myofunctional disorders, oral motor deficits, selective eating, tube weaning, sensory aversions, difficulty latching, and transitioning from the bottle or to new food. Quick disclaimer, all information, content, and material of this podcast are the opinions of the speakers and is for the informational purpose only and not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified healthcare provider. Welcome to the Untethered Podcast. I am your host, Hallie Balkin. I'm a certified myofunctional therapist, feeding specialist, podcaster, business owner, and mentor. This podcast is all about getting your questions answered and collaborating with colleagues to bring you the most up-to-date information in the orofacial myofunctional therapy, airway, tethered oral tissue, and pediatric feeding therapy space. If you're new here, I challenge you to keep an open mind and join my mission to spread this message far and wide. If you've been around since June 2019, thanks for being a loyal listener. As we jump into today's episode, remember to listen with correct oral rest posture. Tongue up, lips closed, teeth apart, breathe through your nose. Let's get started. Hey friends, really quick, I just want to let you know about a training that is taking place January 22nd to 26, 2024. It is free, five days to screening your first pediatric feeding patient come and join me, Hallie Balkan, and you're going to earn five hours for free on the certificate of completion when you participate in either the live training or you go out to recording, but it's only available for a very short time. When you participate in the training on how to use my screening checklist and milestone chart, you'll see me screen my two-year-old child and then my four-year-old child we will screen together. These are recorded videos from when they were those ages. You're going to discover how to make sense of the screening results and make next step recommendations and learn the fastest way to launch yourself into treating pediatric feeding cases after the screening is completed. So go to feedthepeats.com backslash training. I cannot wait to see you the week of January 22nd through 26, 2024. Marissa, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. You are, I know we were were chatting beforehand, but you're like one of our OGs from like year one of the Feed the Peds course, fall 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know we're going to talk a bit about that today, but I would, I'd love to just start off with, you know, and obviously you can share your background and where you were before the course, even from as far as feeding therapy, feeding therapist goes. Um, But why, like what, what led you to take the course? Yeah, so it was 2020, which was just a fabulous year for everyone. I'm sure everyone recalls many things from that year, Um, working out, not working out. um, But Feed the Peds was one of the really awesome things that I think I found myself in, you know, doing during COVID that I probably wouldn't have had time for um, otherwise. So, you know, I was working two jobs. I was working outpatient and I was working for early steps. So going into the homes and I was just seeing a lot of the same things with all of my clients. And I was really interested in feeding. I had been working as one of the main feeding therapists there, but I was just kind of seeing all of these like similar things like lists and picky eating and open mouths and low tone and I was just like, what? I'm missing something here. Like, what is going on? What is the connection? Why is everyone, you know, presenting like this? And so, um, yeah, during COVID, things changed a lot for work, which was kind of why I took on another job. And um, I just had a lot more time. So I was doing a lot more research just on the internet, like digging and digging and digging. And I came across your course, Feed the Peds. And I was like, wow, that sounds like you know, a really well-rounded course. Um, you know, I'd taken things, I had had great training from my job, from my coworkers, um, but I didn't really have anything that I felt like took it, you know, from A to B all the way around. You know, in grad school, we learned about dysphagia and we learned about adults. And I think we had a one day, like, 
one, one day in our class, in our dysphagia class, we covered pediatrics. One day. That was all I had. So I, I got. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was yeah, like. We had no peds feeding, zero peds feeding. That was only wow. adult dysphagia and that was it. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that's, you know, tends to still be the case some places, depending on where you go to school. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but at the same time, our scope is so broad. I, I understand how it can be difficult to, you know, get every single, you know, piece in there. But um, yeah, so I was kind of like, okay, I think I have the time to do this right now. It seems like a big commitment, but, and, you know, maybe financially and just like time commitment, but, you know, I was like, I have the time, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to do it. And I'm so glad that I did because it was kind of that missing piece for me. And it put a lot of things in perspective and helped me connect the dots between, you know, things that I already knew or already suspected I knew and just really helped me understand and see the big picture. Um, So, you know, it kind of gave me the confidence that I needed to really go out on my own and confirmed a lot of things when it came to just understanding the why behind a lot of things. So I um, love that. Obviously I love that, but (laughs) I, you know, it's so funny. I I tell people, I'm like the origin story of like the whole feeds of heats course. I actually was like, I'm going to create a Mayo course. I know there's a, you know, Mayo courses out there, but I'm going to create one simply because I was like, I took a Mayo course. I felt like I left that course with at least an idea of where to jump off. But everybody else I knew was telling me like, I took a Mayo course and I left more confused than when I entered. And so I was like, oh, I got, I got to change this for people. Like I got to mm-hmm. figure out how to make this process a little simpler so people actually feel like they know where to begin and have a place to go to help them continue. And then one of my really good friends in the field was like also a SLP, you know, med SLP and business owner. She was like, yeah, Hallie, we really need a pediatric feeding course. And I was like, I know. And she was like, you should do that. And I was like, ah, that feels like a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, And she was like, well, if you don't do it, then I'll I'll just like, I'll go tell someone else to do it. I was like, oh, okay. Now she like kind of like hit, she know, you know, it's like she knew how to kind of get me to be like, ah. So I was like, let me think on it overnight. Let me, let me, let me sleep on this. So the next day I came back and I was like, all right. I will do this if I can get a team of people to basically help me do this. Because I think for me, even, I was like, I want to create a comprehensive course. And I realized that's lacking. There isn't like a course that kind of, like you said, pulls it all together. I was like, but also we need to go over like typical development. And we also need to touch on some things that may be a little taboo, like tongue ties and Mayo and the birth to three crowd and like how that's actually more feeding than true Mayo, right? And sensory sensory oral motor feeding. So I was like, all right, I can definitely jump in with like the topics that I'm treating, that I'm assessing and treating every day, but I have not worked in a NICU. I haven't worked in hospital settings, you know, outside of NICUs. Um, with peds. I have with adults. I'm like, I've worked in the schools. I've gone into homes. Like I was more home-based at that point. And truly before I even had my own child, you know, just over eight years ago, I was working more with the toddlers. I wasn't even working with infants. So I'm like, that's a whole nother ball game. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, add the medical complexity components on top of it all. And I was like, I've had very few medically complex cases. Like my med complex cases typically come to me because they suspect there's tetheral tissues at play and they've been to a number of other providers. And it's kind of like the last straw. They're like, we need to prep for this release to see if that helps because there's just so many other things going on too. But we think this may be part of the puzzle. So I kind of just was like, all right, all right. And this was all summer of like 2019. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do this, but you have to like, tell me who you use for marketing. Like who, who writes your copy and who like writes your emails and who write, I mean, does your sales pages and your Facebook ads and all the things. So I was like, these are not things I have time to learn. Like I'm running a private practice. I'm treating full time. And I was also now trying to start this online business. <laughs> and she was like, deal, you create the course. Like, I'll tell you who I use. And like, obviously like I paid them all. It's not like she gave me anything for free, but it's like going into a business like that and kind of knowing like, okay, these people get my market was also really helpful. And yeah, I was like, all right. So 
from that point, I think around like fall of 2019, we started to launch everything. And then, you know, what happened, like, you know, pandemic, enter pandemic. I literally launched the first course March 16, 2020. As the world shut down, I was also like, didn't know yet, but I was about to go through a miscarriage and it was like kind of a surprise pregnancy for us too. So I was like all kinds of like all over the place. Like, do I start this business while there's this whole pandemic happening? Is that like insensitive? People are like, not sure if they have a job anymore. Like, you know, it was just, it was very interesting, but I'm so glad that I was, I was like, you know what? I've invested a lot of time and money into this. I have a team that I also want to be able to pay. It's not just about me. And just because there's this pandemic, which we had no idea how long that was going to last at the time. I'm like, there's still babies and toddlers and preschoolers who are not feeding. Like time does not hit pause for these children. So my whole goal was like, let's create more feeding therapists so we can get these kids off caseloads. And I was like, full on, let's go. Like, let's, let's just, let's go and let's do it. And I still remember like we, um, some people participated like in the free training I do beforehand. And they were like, this has just been so nice to be able to like get on zoom and connect like before we all were all zoom fatigued and connect with people, right? Like we're all stuck in our houses. And for so many people, like this was the beginning of their zoom journey. Um, I was like, my team's already been doing some zoom Mayo prior to the pandemic. So it was like, not completely new for all of us, but Man, like we had dance parties, me and my kids and I was like, join us at like noon on Friday. We're going to just put on some music and dance. Like mm-hmm. everyone, everyone was just freaking out, right? Everyone was like high stress. We had no idea what was happening next week, let alone like tomorrow. So, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of I just, I just kind of embraced it. I was like, let's embrace what's going on here. And the interesting too, thing too was like, I always planned for it to be an online course. I never planned for it to be in person because I felt like it would be more accessible to people if we could keep it online, even though I know some people prefer like in person, but, um, so I'm like, it kind of all worked out in that sense. So I think you were in our like third cohort by then we had already like kind of finessed some things. We already had like a change in some team members that were even teaching just because of the pandemic and family stuff and workability and hours and everything. Um, but yeah, so long story, long story, not short. Um, (laughs) I, I love just, I love to hear that it kind of was sort of that thing that pulled all together for you. Cause that was my big vision. It was like, if we can kind of simplify what feels like a very scary thing for people. And I can almost take my 10 years and thousands of dollars in courses that I've done. Plus all these other people who have, you know, also had similar experiences and we're all treating in these different arenas maybe we can pull something together that'd be like really comprehensive and like really beneficial because even if you end up going more, you know, um, specialized within who you work with in peed feeding, I feel like it's still, you still need to know the information, this like basic information across the board. So anywho. No, um, (laughs) definitely. I agree. And I'm so glad that you didn't press pause when you, you know, considered it and you went through with it because there were people like me out there that were like, well, now I've got more time. So why not learn while I can't really do as much work because nobody wants teletherapy for some reason, because they don't know what that is. And they're, you know, they don't understand how it works. So putting my time, you know, still to my career by doing something else in learning was um, really beneficial for me. And, you know, I love that you took all these different people and brought them together to teach one course, because I, to me, that was a really cool experience to get this person's perspective and this person's perspective and different settings and different ages, because we covered it all. And no one person can be a specialist in everything. And I think you know, that's something I learned from you from the course and just from like some of your business trainings as well as you just can't do everything and you have to, you know, find a team and find people you trust and, you know, disperse, whether it's with, you know, something business related or a referral network for your patients. Um, That's something that, you know, I've taken with me and I feel like I've been able to apply it in all aspects of my life even, you know? Yeah. So did you watch, like, I know, and it's so bizarre to people, but I'm like, no, you don't get it. This is how my brain works. Like, I'm like, hi, yeah, there's a free business training at the end of the Feed the Beats course. And people are like, what? And I'm like, well, it makes sense because a lot of people also come to me for business training. So in Hallie's world, like, why not just include it in there for free as a bonus at the end? And so did you actually watch that business training? 
I did. And, you know, it was funny. I um, always said that I would never start my own business. That's just not what I was looking to do. I'm a therapist. That's what I want to be. I don't want to be a business owner. And, um, you know, I think just as things change throughout the pandemic and after that, and then listening to your business training and all the great, you know, resources and information that you provided. And then I was also working for early steps where I was contracted and I was doing everything on my own, essentially. I kind of was like, wait, I think I can't do this. Maybe I do want to do this. Like this is an option for me. It just never really felt like an option before. And then suddenly it felt like real, like I really could do it. So yeah, I took Feed the Peds and September of 2020. So we ended like December that year, I think. And then um, in February of 2021, I started um, my private practice and seeing patients on my own uh, going into the homes. Um, and it was slow, I would say, as a private um, practice, not taking insurance. It was a slow start. Um, but eventually just through, you know, networking and finding, you know, your team of people that you trust and that you want to refer to and that get what you get, um, things just like took off and it's been, um, yeah, since 2021. And now I have taken on another therapist who's starting working with me. Um, she's a CF, which I'm really excited about because I see a lot of myself in her and just, how she wants to learn this feeding side of things. And it's hard to get a position in feeding as a CF because everybody wants you to have experience. And obviously as a CF, you only have so much experience. So um, I love, you know, teaching and sharing my knowledge. So I'm really excited to have her on board and share with her everything that I've learned and hopefully nudge her to take Feed the Peds. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I also just have to say the fact that you got pedsfeedingtherapy.com as a URL and it wasn't already taken. Like when I saw your website, cause I was like, I've seen it before. And I was like, that's genius. I just have to say like, amazing, <laughs> completely amazing. I was shocked that it wasn't a thing. I was like, let's just try this and expecting it to be rejected. And it was like, okay. And I was like, well, that was easy. Okay. Yeah. You're like, that's, that's, I mean, that's such a great URL. So like, congratulations on that. <laughs> so, so in your practice now, like, are you like super specialized in that you primarily work only with certain types of patients? Do you still, still like take articulation cases or only if it's like myo related or like, where, where are you at? Share with everybody. Yeah. I'm taking mostly, you know, like picky eating, um, aversions, tube weaning, you know, those infants latching and which is a huge part that Feed the Peds helped me with because I felt like when I was working outpatient, we didn't get a lot of infants in outpatient because they were in the NICU and then they were probably seen at home or, you know, however that worked for them. They never made it to outpatient when they still needed help. And um, but when I started with early steps, I started seeing a lot more of those infants and feed the peds helped me feel much more confident in my ability to, you know, assess and treat them. Um, so now I'm still seeing, you know, those kids around that age for feeding difficulties. And then I'm seeing myo kids as well. So when it comes to articulation, I'm, I don't really truly treat just articulation. I'm trying to address the whole picture. So if a, a family comes to me and they're only looking for help with articulation, you know, first I'm going to share with them my assessment and, and my findings and um, everything that I see that may be related to the articulation and I'm going to explain the treatment plan. And, you know, if they're on board with that, then fabulous. Then they understand that, okay, we're not really going to necessarily be treating articulation right now, but it will come with time. Um, and if that's not something that they're looking for, then, you know, I just try and explain, you know, my why and support them and what their journey is and find another therapist that can best help them with their needs. So um, I'm still seeing, you know, a pretty broad range when it comes to ages. And I do get a lot of people with, you know, younger, like toddlers, two and three with tongue ties. And they're kind of like, well, what do we do? 
you know, somebody says they need therapy, somebody says they need a tongue tie release, um, you know, what's the right plan of action? So kind of helping those kids get where they need to be. So maybe they are ready for a tongue tie release, or maybe they're not, but they're breathing better and they're sleeping better. Um, I work a lot with just like strengthening the lips and the jaw and the tongue to achieve better nasal breathing and get better, you know, oral facial growth and development. That's a big part of what I do. And I see a lot of clients just for consultations that are like, okay, you know, this doctor told me that I need to see you and I don't really know why. So here we are. And, uh, you know, and then I can kind of explain that to him and them and give them the education that they need to maybe um, explore other referrals or, you know, find the, the treatment plan that works for everyone. Um, I think the biggest thing when it comes to oral ties is everyone's journey is so different and you can say, this is how it should go. But <laughs> it's probably not ever going to go that way. And, you know, even if the textbook says it should be that way, for maybe that family, it shouldn't because of whatever other stressors or environmental factors or, you know, family factors are going on. Maybe a surgery just isn't what they need right now or, you know, so um, it's been it's been really cool, you know, navigating that journey with everyone though, just because it is so different. And I think that's something I love about pediatrics and feeding is it's never the same. <laughs> never, never. It never goes as planned. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's like one of the big things we try to instill as well, especially like even starting like with assessment, because we noticed early on that a lot of like students, you know, or like therapists who, whether they were experienced or brand new, or sometimes like, I really struggle to like get through the entire, cause we give you guys like an assessment, you know, um, template and we teach you how to do it and everything. And I was like, I don't get through the whole assessment usually in a feeding like assessment. We're like, you're not supposed to like, yes, in a perfect world, it would be great. Right. To like check all the boxes and have all the information. And like, look, you might get to a point in your career where you feel like you're doing all that because it's so second nature to you that you're able to even just kind of do things in your head and move around. But I'm like, if you're spending an entire hour staring at a piece of paper, you're never going to connect with the patient. You're never going to connect with the family, the caregivers. You're going to have a hard time getting them to trust you and actually give you helpful information. So it's, I'm like, if you only ask five questions, but you get a whole history and you understand why they're there and you understand maybe where to start in therapy, like that is your goal, right? And so I love like what you said too, because I think there's just so much to be said about that, like I always say, there's like a dance between art and science, right? It's sort of like a, you know, you kind of have to massage the relationship and build that trust and rapport with the patient and the family while also trying to get some baseline data. And, you know, you don't want it to be completely just like a conversation unrelated to why they're there. But we also don't want to feel like we have to check all the boxes all the time. And that is, I will tell you, one of like the consistently like I think hardest things for a lot of therapists to grasp. And so I'm excited that you have a CF that's uh, gonna, that's working, she working with you already or going to be working? Okay, so because I just, I feel like having a mentor who understands like what it is to kind of learn how to navigate these waters, these uncharted waters, if you will, like you can take every course under the sun, but if you don't actually start working with the patients and start to see some of it for yourself and experience it and, and then understanding like, timelines best for, you know, for best outcomes for patients and how one timeline, like you said, it can be completely different than the next one, regardless of what we may think is best for them right now. Like what's best right. for that family, you know, networking and communicating with other providers, like having that whole team approach. There's just so much to be said for that because I feel like as an industry and just in the medical space in general has moved so far away from that really because of the insurance-based model that we have here in the mm -hmm. United States. Um, and that's where I do find like that a lot of the more like, you know, holistic providers, and when I say holistic, I mean, from like a holistic team approach, just, you know, not necessarily holistic products, but you know, it's like when we're starting to really look at the patients holistically and we're working with these whole teams, um, instead of these siloed like approaches, it really, really, in my opinion, I see the best outcomes come from that approach 
even when you're tailoring it to a family and they're like, yeah, no, we don't want to go see that specialist or yeah, no, we don't want to have that procedure or, you know, not now, maybe later. And you're kind of like, oh, I feel like this would be better if we did this now, but okay, like we let's, let's see what happens. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's that, like they said, it's like that dance, that dance, that art and science of like looking at the science, mm -hmm. but also understanding how to be a human and communicate, which we should yeah. be able to do with SLPs. Right. <laughs> right. And a little bit of like give and take with the families too, because, you know, you have to understand that a lot of times what we're walking in and asking them to do is a lot. Uh -huh. And they're like, what? You're telling me my child can't chew, swallow, or breathe correctly? Like you're telling them me there's something wrong with all of their basic functions of life. And now you want me to do what, you know? And so kind of figuring out like, what can this family handle and what can this child handle? Sometimes I can walk in and meet a family and do an assessment and I can write really specific goals about what muscles we're going to strengthen and how we're going to do that. And then sometimes I'm walking out and I'm like, okay, this is going to be a two month care plan and we're going to work on just not just building rapport in the sense that we're not going to be doing anything, but we've got to get this child comfortable with just engaging and interacting with me and letting me, you know, letting him or her feel comfortable with me or mom or whoever, you know, touching their face or their lips and giving them, you know, assistive feeding techniques and things like that before we can even get inside the mouth and look at the tongue to see what the tissue looks like underneath or or whatever other structures. And yeah. so sometimes the goals, we just, you know, we start small and we, we work our way up until we're ready. Because if you jump in and you try and do too much at once, um, I find that you, you get a lot of resistance. <laughs> you get a lot of resistance and you, it takes you twice as long to build rapport, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Like I will get a lot in the course, we'll have students say, well, how do you assess for the tongue tie in the first appointment? And I go, well, if the kid is ready and willing, I might be able to get in there. If they're not and the parent is adamant about it, I will then send them maybe to a release provider who I know is not going to release them same day or anytime soon without me signing off mm -hmm. and allow them to be the person who gets in there so that that doesn't ruin my risk, you know, my relationship I'm building with the child because it's, it feels forceful sometimes. And even yeah. when you build that relationship, it's still a very unusual kind of thing when you go in there and you elevate the tongue in a certain way and for some children, they'll be totally fine. For other kids, they're going to be like, whoa, 10 steps backwards. You're not coming near my mouth again anytime soon, right? And you're like, oh, we just did so much work. So for me, I'm like, I would rather not see under their tongue and understand the larger picture, understand like what the symptoms are. And if the parent, like I said, is adamant about getting under the tongue like ASAP, I'll be like, okay, great. Go see this other person. They can assess. They can take the photos, a video, whatever. Send it to me. We'll collaborate. Um, or when your child is more comfortable with me in a couple of sessions, we will take a look under the tongue. I already suspect that I know what I'm going to see based on all the things and my specialty. However, I will not make any, you know, official statements until we actually get to visualize that. But, you know, I mean, you, now that you've been doing this for, you know, more than a couple of years, it's, you start to hear a lot of the symptoms. You start to hear a lot of the medical background. You hear sometimes these families that come and they're like, I've gone from this provider to that provider, or I told my pediatrician this and they told me, ah, your child's fine. They'll grow out of that picky eating. Or, you know, you just, you hear certain things sometimes and you go, okay, I've heard this before. <laughs> You're checking all the boxes. You got all the symptoms. I would not be surprised if there's some tight tissue under the tongue or something going on that's mimicking, right? That, that mm -hmm. tongue tight inside the mouth. And so, you know, that's why I'm also like, not so like anxious to just get in there just to say that I did and get the photos or to get that evidence. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, it, it will come with time. So that's a big one. That's a big one. And I think that a lot of us put undue pressure on ourselves because especially for private pay, we're like, well, they're paying a lot of money for this evaluation. They're coming to me to know if their kid has a tongue tie or not. They don't understand that there's just so much more to the puzzle and that's just one piece of it. And yes, I want to help them figure that out. However, you know, it's, it's learning, I think, to not succumb to like the pressure of someone else if it puts the child you know, the, or the patient in a, you know, in a worse place than when they entered. So I always try to like massage that conversation a little bit. 
Yeah, and I think most families are on board if they realize that that's uncomfortable for their child and their child's not wanting or willing, then most families I find are like, okay, I get where I, I see, I, I get where you're coming from. Yeah, we'll, we'll, whenever they're ready or we'll see that provider or whatever is yeah. needed, you know, but not right now. It's not the right time. Yeah. Well, and being able to just even have that conversation with them, I think is huge. And understanding that the counseling side of it, I had a really amazing counseling class when I was in grad school and I, I attribute like a lot of like my conversational skills and abilities with families to that, because I think that really also said, okay, hey, like, yes, this is science. This is medicine. This is medical. Like you're an SLP, but you're also interacting with humans. So like, let's remember the person sitting there, like how, and it really made me kind of stop and think about like, well, how would I want to be spoken to as the mother or as the patient? And how does that frame what I say as the therapist? And so we actually role played a lot in that class. And we actually sat like in chairs in front of the room, like on the spot where like we were given without any preparation, just a little slip of paper that we pulled out of a hat that said, okay, this is the patient's deal. This is the therapist's deal. And like, we didn't know what the other person's thing said. We basically had to try and like be the patient or counsel the patient. And I go, I look back at that and I'm like, I feel like that's such a skill that is missing so greatly yeah. in our industry to the point where we are like, we're building out a certification, the feeding certification. And that is going to be like at least a piece of it where we have like either some round tables or so we're figuring that out. But like counseling, like counseling families needs to be a part of that because I think a lot of us don't really know how to have these conversations with families. And it, it should be easier for us than it is just simply because experience, right? People haven't learned. They didn't have the course. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point because yeah, that's just a huge part of our job is counseling the families through this. Some of these families that I see, this might be their second time that their child is needing their ties released mm -hmm. or, um, you know, or potentially the second time, like we're, that's kind of what we're trying to figure out. Like, maybe we don't, maybe we do, um, but something's gone wrong and they've already had it done before. And, you know, they thought that they took care of it. They thought that they spent their time and their money addressing it. And now suddenly somebody's telling them, oh, I think that it needs to be done again. And so that's hard for families to hear. Um, yeah. Or on the other side of things, those families that thought something was wrong, but nobody listened to them and they didn't address it. And now the kid is two and three and has, you know, obstructive sleep apnea or something. And they they feel horrible because they think that they did their child wrong by not taking care of it. But really, you know, they didn't know it, it was the the team that they had at the time also didn't know unfortunately and now they're in a worse off situation so yeah. that's hard. or or you get like the families that are like okay you're our third opinion <laughs> and i'm like lay it on me i'm like i'm like and i tell them i'm like don't tell me what anybody else said i don't want any you know i don't want any information on what anybody else said i just want to know what your concerns are and i'm going to do the assessment we're going to do it together and at the end i will give you my recommendations and then we can discuss how those what those look like compared to the other two people you've already seen because at the end of the day i'm like sometimes it matches up to one of the two and sometimes it's completely different than the other two. Mm -hmm. And that is also, I think, for a lot, like a very anxiety provoking situation for a lot of therapists. It's like, well, what do I say that like the other people were wrong and that I'm right? How do I know that I'm right? How do they know that I'm right? Like, you know, I'm like, and we don't always know, right? Sometimes we're making our best clinical educated, you know, mm -hmm. guesses, if you will, and creating a treatment plan and kind of navigating that. But it's, I'm like, those for me, I, I won't say I loved them, but I'm like, it always changed things up and made things a little more challenging. It was like not the same old like routine thing. So I was like, all right, game on people. Let's go. <laughs> Tell yeah. me what they said. Let's talk through it. Let's figure out. And sometimes it's also families like maybe not fully understanding what they were told mm -hmm. and maybe we're actually on the same page, but it was just delivered in a different way or they weren't ready to hear it yet or they only remembered a third of what they heard that day because that's typically what happens for any yeah. human. You know, it's like you get so much information, your brain starts to shut down. And it's like, I think there's something like we only remember 33% of like what a doctor may tell us like in a yeah. consult. 
Yeah. So, so many interesting scenarios that, you know, happen that people don't think about when you're just like, I want to be a pediatric feeding therapist and an SLP. And you're like, but here's all these other things that you have to do too. Right. And I think when it comes to training a CF too, it's like, I wish I could be like, this is how you do it. You know, (laughs) everyone's like, so what is step one and step two and step three? And I'm like, that, that's not a thing. I can give you a general idea of like, Okay, yeah. when we're talking about the, the orofacial complex, like our jaws are foundations. So we may want to look at the jaw first and start working on that. But at the same time, like what are our other, our other concerns? Because that may then direct what else we work on or where we go mm-hmm. next. And how old is the child? And what should they be doing that they don't have yet? Or maybe this is not an appropriate school to expect. They're a little young, right? It's like there's just so many nuances. And, and that that's one of the other big questions we get a lot is like, okay, well, is there like a hierarchy? Is there like, are there like steps that we follow? Are there, I'm like, not really. <laughs> I'm like, kind of, sort of, not really. I'm like, yeah. How do we, how do we say this? Um, yes, but no. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but no. <laughs> yeah. So do you feel like now that you're like further into your, your feeding career, do you feel like this still would have been like a beneficial course for you as a more experienced therapist? Or do you feel like it's more beginner level? Cause we get that question a lot. No, I, I still use the course. I will go back and watch little things in the assessment or the intervention section just to like give myself a refresh and, you know, remind myself that, you know, I, I do know what I'm doing and I do know what I'm talking about. Um, so I love that I have it forever. I think that it's jam packed with information and I've taken so many courses that way. And then, you know, you have them for a month or however long it, you know, before it expires. And then I'm like, Oh, I wish I could go back and listen to that one statistic again, like, or I wrote it down somewhere and I don't know where I wrote it down. Um, you know? And so I think that's the fabulous thing about this course is you can go back and you can rewatch, you can, use what you need from it at any time. And um, I do have a colleague that took the course just this past year and she's an experienced feeding therapist. And she was like, do you think I should take it? And I was like, I do. And then, you know, she was like three days in and she was like, I am so glad, you know, that I am taking this course. Um, So, cause I think a lot of times we get a lot of experience in one setting or, you know, with one population or, you know, like I'm working in the homes. I used to work in outpatient. Someone might work in the NICU, um, but the course will give you, you know, information in, across all of those settings and across, you know, all of development. So whether you're really strong at one thing, you might learn a lot about another thing that you're not. And um, like I said, I just think, the way that it tied everything together for me too was just something that I've, I haven't gotten with any other course and other courses that I've loved, but no other feeding course has been able to just connect those dots like that. Yeah. Well, and, and that was also why I was like, I want people to have ongoing access to this because for the same reason, I was like, I want this to be online. I still want there to be some kind of an interactive component where people can be live with us and can have that mentorship and like ask questions, but we'll also go over cases together. If people can't make it live or prefer to watch a recording, that's fine. We're not going to make the like lives mandatory because hi, like people live in different time zones and I want to, you know, like be fair really. Um, But yeah, it was, I was like, same thing. I'm like, I wish I always found myself being like, I wish I could go back and like rewatch a certain part of a live course I attended or rewatch, like I had ongoing access to something because now I have a patient that's super relevant to that. Like one little thing that I learned, but I don't really remember what it was to even like look it up or ask or like seek in other information on it. But I'm like, I just feel like if I, you know, so my brain was kind of like, if we have a course and we parse it out into modules and people can be like, ah, there was something in the TOTS module, or there was something in the NICU module or something with like, you know, med med complex, you know, the end of the course, then I feel like it would be, I was like, maybe it'll be easier to like go back and actually use that information. And so what's, what's really cool is that a lot of, you know, therapists who were in the first year still tell us like from 2020, still tell us now at the end of 2023, the same thing that you said, they're like, I go back all the time and reference different things for different clients. I love that I have the ongoing access. And I'm like, 
ah, yes. And, and that was also a consideration in the price point. Cause I know for a lot of people it's an investment, but I wanted to create again, like a super comprehensive course that had like mentorship and case studies and, you know, and I, I, the team are, they're specialists. So I'm like, I, they get paid really well. So I'm like, I want to pay the team. Well, I want to have this ongoing, it's going to live on a platform. So obviously that incurs additional, like, you know, on a business side, it incurs costs to continue to have thousands of people accessing a course. Like basically I've always said, as long as the course lives on Kajabi, it will be on Kajabi with free access. If we take it off Kajabi, we'll give you access to another platform. If for some reason we're not teaching the course anymore, I will let you download it and keep it. Like, you know, I'm like, I, when I say lifetime access, like I want it to be that option. Obviously courses, you know, should be updated every so many years and everything. Um, but as we've like added things too, we've, we, you know, resources or bonuses or anything else. We've also tried, like we've gone back and given them to all past cohorts because I'm like, I just feel like you guys did invest a lot. Like I could easily sell some of these things, but I'm like, I just want to give it to you guys because my goal is to help you all. And you invested, you invested time, money, energy into your careers. And I love that because it, it goes back to like my overarching goal. I was like, if we can, help more SLPs and OTs who want to be feeding therapists step into this role, then we get more kids off, off waiting lists. We can get more children the help that they need because it kills me to hear like, oh, my child's two weeks old and we were told there's like a two month waiting list. What? Like this is a feeding case. Like this kid can't wait two, this kid can't wait two weeks, let alone two months. Like, no, we need to be able to get them in now, which I know as a business owner is like really hurt. Like it's, it's gut wrenching. It's, it's heartbreaking, especially when you only have so many hours in the day. Right. But higher. So yay. Uh, (laughs) And we try to solve that problem. Um, so yeah, so I love, I love hearing, you know, your perspective on it. Cause I'm like, I obviously know like what I created it for, why I created it and everything, but it's always nice to just hear like, you know, that you do feel, um, that it's beneficial and We've had some therapists who like one who I think have been in the field for like 30 years, another one for 25 years. And they went through and said it was like a lot of it was a review for them, but there was also new information they learned and they did also feel like it was very beneficial. And so I was like, wow, because that's not what, you know, it's like, we didn't create that with that in mind. I was like, I want this to be for people who are stepping into feeding Mm -hmm. in the beginning. I also know it's a lot of content. And I also, like you said, it's, it's a wide array of content too. Um, so, so yeah, it ended up for me, it was kind of like, oh, that's a cool little benefit that it's, you know, helpful for, for seasoned therapists as well. Um, was there anything, I know you talked a little bit about like the learning process and everything. Was there anything that really stood out to you as far as that learning process went with like, whether it's like the pre-recorded courses being released once a week or the the access to Q&A in a private group or the case studies or, you know, live calls or whatever, like anything that you feel like was like super beneficial to you? I I liked that, you know, I thought you, the way you set it up for an online course was, was really well because we were able to join live. We were able to have conversations um, and review. I really liked the case studies because, you know, you went home and you, you, you did your case studies and you typed it all out or, you know, wrote your notes and then you would join together if you could make it live. And then you have the chance to watch that same video over and over with everyone jumping in with, well, I see this and I see that and I'm noticing this. And then, you know, that's so helpful compared to just doing it on your own because you're, and also compared to just having, you know, a teacher or instructor tell you what the answers are because, there's so much to see and it was so cool to have OTs jumping in and saying like, well, I'm noticing this. And I'm like, oh, I, you know, I didn't notice that I'm not an OT. And that really helps me like keep my skills more well-rounded and make better referrals if necessary. Um, I really just enjoyed the case studies and having those videos. And um, I think that's really actually when I learned how beneficial just taking videos were in general of your clients as well. Um, and how you can go back and watch them and you see different things when you watch it later and how you can slow the video down. I was like, oh, I never would have noticed that. And I think for the breastfeeding side of things, you know, I, if you don't get to learn breastfeeding until you see someone breastfeed. And that was something I really didn't get to see until feed the peds and getting all of that, you know, 
those videos of actual moms actually breastfeeding and seeing what latching and sucking and, and the sounds were supposed to sound like, like you guys really broke it down to like, this is what it looks like. This is what it sounds like. And this is what it shouldn't sound like. Here's examples of, you know, this and that. And that was something I had never had before. So, um, for me, I think just those videos and those case studies, especially of the breastfeeding was something that was really beneficial for me. Um, so. Yeah, no, I love it. I mean, I've learned from colleague, my colleagues, you know, like all of our colleagues that teach mm -hmm. with me and it's really cool too. And very humbling because every time I've even done like the free five day training before the course, and it's like my own child's case that I'm using, right. It's a video from when she was four. Um, I will have, like you said, like OT sometimes jump in and they're like, well, I'm seeing this. And I will tell you every single time I've done this now, 12 times, every single time there's different opinions. Somebody says something different that I'm like, oh, I do see what you're saying, but I didn't see that before. And nobody's ever mentioned that. This is the 12th time I'm doing this and no one else has ever mentioned that. So it's really cool because I think part of it too is just like how information evolves over time. And some of the things that we may be looking at differently now than we were even a couple of years ago, like how you interpret like the video or the case studies, you know, even beyond some of those conversations, I'm like things, things shape shift, right? Things change. And it is very cool to, that was my goal too. I was like, SLPs and OTs need to work together. Like we both bring very different, but similar skill sets mm -hmm. to the table when it comes to feeding. And if we can have that perspective and have those conversations and learn from each other, I also think one, it'll lead to more collaboration, but two, it'll just, we'll be more well-rounded as therapists because we'll also be, we're not so pigeonholed into like what we've learned. We're kind of like, Ooh, you know what? Like, let's go talk to the OT. Let's pull an OT in here. Let's add OT to the, you know, to the therapies or whatever the case may be or SLP, you know, vice versa. Um, so yeah, that's, I, 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 case studies for me were something that I was like very passionate about because I was like, if we don't practice, we are not going to apply our learning. And the really cool thing for us too, and we always tell like every course this, but we see like the trans the transformation from like when everybody enters week one and then we, we have our first case study, like, you know, a couple weeks in to like the last case study at the end of the 12 week course, like the evolution of the, the critical thinking that's happening and the types of questions and how everybody's looking at cases it changes so much over the course of the 12 weeks. It's, it's really cool. It's very incredible for us to see. And we're like, like selfishly, I'm like, yay, like it, this is working. Like, this is so cool. Like we did it. We, we made all these people like, you know, be able to think with the brain and it's cool. No, <laughs> because I, you know, truly I think critical think is just, it's just not something that's embedded into a lot of courses just based on the, typical course structure. You don't have that opportunity to apply or to like over time, right? Like apply, ask questions, go back, kind of go, okay, well, you know, it's like Ra I know Ramya, for example, sometimes she'll say like, hey, that's coming in a future course, like hang tight or a future module, like hang mm -hmm. tight, we're not there yet. Um, or she'll say, hey, go back to this module and look at this because, you know, like she like will reference back because we want you all to be able to do that for yourselves too and not just depend just on us. Like, obviously we're there to answer questions. We're there to talk through cases, but we're like, let's also like help everyone kind of figure out like, okay, when you're not in this course after 12 weeks, yes, you get the alumni group and you can ask questions and all that fun stuff. But also like, how do we get our brains being like, ooh, let's go back to this or, Ooh, I think I heard about this, you know, in a future section of the course, a different section of the course. So anywho, um, that's like one of my most favorite outcomes from all of this. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I would agree. It was, I don't think I've taken a course that we really structured it like that way. It might've been like, read this book or, you know, watch this video or, you know, but it was nothing that comprehensive in regards to like, assessment and treatment or anything like that. Um, so, and then, it, like I said, it was just really cool to have everyone jumping in from their different perspectives and specialties, you know, giving their opinions. So um, I learned a lot. And then, you know, you did mention the alumni group, which is really cool because now we have this network of people that I know everyone, you know, in here took this course and has this knowledge and, um, so that's been really awesome to have, especially working in home health now and 
not having, you know, my OTs across the hall or my PTs over in the gym to prick their brain or to ask questions or that might know the kid that I'm treating and might be able to help me with something, you know, nobody knows the kids that I'm treating except for me now. And um, sometimes you feel a little bit like on your own, you know, just kind of on your own. And you're like, I don't have a team, although you do, you make those referrals and you make those connections, but feed the peds is something that, you know, can really help you get there. If you have a kid that you're having, you know, something going on with, you can search in the group and see if anyone else is having, you know, um, something going on like that. And then that opens the door for you to talk to that therapist and, and share, you know, what happened and how you helped that client or how they helped that client. And that could, you know, have some experience to help you out with. Um, or even, you know, I have clients who move and they go to other states and they still need therapy. So I'm looking for, I'm in the group, like, does anyone live here? Like, who can I refer you to? And that's been super helpful. And I've had therapists reach out to me and, you know, have conversations on the phone, you know, just to chat before making that referral to make sure that we both felt comfortable, like recommending this patient to them. And um, so it's just been a really great way to get people, keep us connected and then get families their resources that they need as well. Well, I love that. This has been obviously amazing to get all this feedback and to hear about the incredible things that you're doing. Is there anything else that you're doing that you haven't shared with us that, you know, you want to share? If not, just tell us where everybody can find you if they want to find your practice. You can find me um, online on my website, um, pedsfeedingtherapy.com. And I'm on Instagram as pedsfeeding. And um, I think I have a Facebook page too. I'm not too active on Facebook, but it's connected to my Instagram. So you'll find it if you find me on Instagram. Um, yeah. So I'd be happy to, you know, if anyone wants to reach out and chat or has questions about the course or feeding therapy in general. Um, I love sharing what I have. So thank you. Well, thank you so much. Hey friends, just a reminder to go to feedthepeeds.com backslash training and join us so you can earn five free hours on a certificate of completion when you take my free course on screening the peds to feed the peds between January 22nd through 26, 2024. Go on to feedthepeds.com backslash training. I cannot wait to see you in there. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you found value in this episode and want to hear more of these Myotots airway and feeding related episodes, be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode on your social media platforms. You can access free resources and all I offer at hallybalkin.com or pop over to at hallybalkin on Instagram to get all the latest updates.